Good morning, everyone. As you can tell, we've had some technical difficulties and we are adjusting. Hopefully you're able to hear and to see all right, especially as we uh, turn our hearts now to the Lord, as we attend ourselves to God's Word. If you will open your Bibles and turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, we're going to be looking at the last two verses. John chapter 20 here at this time, the Word of the Lord as He speaks to us this morning. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is God's word for us this morning. Let's go before him and ask for his blessing. God, as always, we are desperate for your filling of your spirit so that we might understand more faithfully the word that you have put before us this day. May the meditations of our hearts, the words of my mouth, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many of you have had the experience that I am sure that I have, uh, where you're not quite sure what the purpose of something is. You find a little object or something like that, and you sit and think, what, what is this for? What purpose is this for? Occasionally when I look on my wife's dresser and I see lotions and creams and all kinds of stuff, I sit there and think, what possibly is all of these things for? And I never know quite what's going on in that regard. Sometimes also we come up with something where the purpose, the intent of the item is completely different than what we use it for. For instance, uh, Q-tips. Some of you will realize that the Q-tips you're not supposed to use to clean your ears. Uh, but as far as I know, that's the only purpose that you would ever use a Q-tip for. I can't imagine another purpose. The main problem that I want to try to look at, though, here this morning, is this idea of so many purposes. There's so many good things that happen that we lose sight of the primary purpose, that we lose sight of the main purpose. There are so many good things that come about because of some object or something or, or a book or something like that, that we lose sight of the primary purpose by which something is given for us. In our previous home, we had a very large garage. We had a garage that was capable of handling both of our cars. And in addition to that, you had a toy chest in there, a workbench, we stored our bikes in there, we had our camping gear in that place, all of our work tools, lots of auto equipment that I needed, auto care gear and stuff like that. Basically we had all kinds of things within that garage. It was wonderful. When we moved to our current house, the garage is much smaller. We could still use it to store all those things, which was a great blessing in our previous garage. We could use our current garage that way, but if so, we couldn't get our cars in there. Our garage is simply that much smaller. If we store our bikes and our tools and those kind of things in the current garage, we would lose the primary purpose of the garage. For us, we want to use the garage for the reason in which it was given, so we want to use it for our cars. Consequently, all of these other good purposes that the garage might be used for have to be set aside so that we can focus on the primary purpose, the primary functionality of the garage itself. 
Now, why is this relevant? If you grab your scriptures again, and if you are looking at your text, we're just going to walk our way through here, and we're going to see that the author begins with this statement, Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So John, the author here, is telling us, look, there are so many other things that Jesus did while he was alive. There are lots of them that are recorded in the book, and the Gospel of John records lots of different stories about Jesus, and you throw in the other Gospels, there's lots of things that we learn about Jesus. But John here makes the point that there are so many other things that Jesus did. Now, why is that important for us? I think it's helpful for us to remember that the Gospel stories, particularly the Gospel that John is specifically referencing here, his own book, the Gospel story is not intended to tell a complete story of Jesus' life. We don't get a picture of the things that made him laugh. We don't see the things that made him frustrated. We don't know about his relationships with his parents or with his siblings or with neighbors or anything like that. There are all these questions that would be wonderful to know about Jesus that are simply not recorded for us. That doesn't mean that they're not, uh, that they weren't there, that they're not important or any of those kind of things, but simply John did not decide to write those things down. There are many other things that Jesus did in this world that are not recorded in this book. Okay, we can understand that. Everybody's life, any biography that is account has to narrow the field a little bit to focus on something specific that they're going to talk about. In this particular issue, the question is, well, what is John interested in talking about? What is the focus of his attention so that we can follow the purpose of which he is writing? Well, blessedness, uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit in inscripturating the writing here for us, we actually have a statement of John's purpose. So, we are now 20 chapters into looking at the Gospel of John. If you're reading along, you've been reading for 20 chapters. We've been preaching the Gospel of John here quite some time at our church. And during that entire time, John has been writing with a particular purpose, with a particular focus. Uh, This is not like the creams and everything on my wife's dresser, where you can't necessarily guess what the purpose is. Nor is it like something you find on the street and you say, gee, what's the purpose of this? Nor is it like a Q-tip, where there's lots of great, valuable things that you can do with it. But what is the primary purpose of this text? What is the primary purpose of this text for John? Why did John write this? He tells us explicitly. Look at verse 31. Okay, many things Jesus did in the past, other things that are not written in this book, but, verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now this is the purpose that John comes forward with and speaks to. When you read the Gospels, it is, they are so full 
And the Bible as a whole is so full of great insight. It's so, uh, uh, it has deep understandings. It teaches deep truths about our Lord. It speaks so powerfully about how we are supposed to live our lives. It directs us and guides us in the ways in which we are supposed to have relationships with each other, the, the practice of our life. What kind of a person do you want to be? The character. All of that is present within the scriptures. You can easily read John's Gospel and get caught up in the way that John's Gospel teaches us things about God. Or you can get very captured by the notion that in John's Gospel we see the way in which we are supposed to live our lives faithfully as Christians. Or you can get insight into the ways in which we are supposed to do evangelism or discipleship or worship our Lord. All of these things are part of the package in John's Gospel. And they are purposes that we can learn from and grow from. But if we get so focused on maximizing or paying attention to all of these, I'm going to call them peripheral purposes, that we miss the main point then we have failed to grasp the very intention of the author in communicating the gospel to us. It would be like saying that you are taking great advantage of your garage when you use it as a storage bin, but you can't get your cars in there. Some people make that decision, that's fine, but the intent of the garage, the intent of the author here is to communicate something specific for us. And while there are many other good things that we might learn, if they distract us from the primary purpose, then we have failed to grab a hold of the very intent that John has in store for us. So let's take a look at John's understanding of the purpose. Now his purpose clause is right here very clearly in verse 31. It says, but these are written, these signs, these stories in the Gospel of John. Everything that has gone before that, in the previous 20 chapters, and I believe the events that take place in chapter 21, which we're going to look at in future weeks, all of these events are present here. They're, they're written so that, and that's the purpose indicator in the text. John here says, these are written so that, that's a purpose indicator, so that what? You may believe. These things that John chooses to write about were written so that you might believe. If you learn through the Gospel of John, that's great. If you are motivated through the Gospel of John, that's wonderful. If you're inspired to live a certain way, if you change your character, that's great. All of these things are wonderful outcomes from reading the Gospel of John, but the point of the Gospel of John, according to the author here, his intent is that you may believe. Now in our society, as you've heard me mention numerous times, we have to help people understand what it means to believe. Because all too often in our society, to believe something means to have an intellectual understanding of it. Or to be convinced that it is true. I believe that to be true, so therefore we use the term belief to simply mean the assurance by which we hold to some kind of an idea or something like that. And that is indeed part of true belief. To believe something is to have that assurance and confidence. But when scripture uses the term believe, 
And when God calls forth from us here this, this notion of having faith and trusting in Him, it's not just an intellectual step, it's in part an intellectual step. And those who throw out the intellectual content, the intellectual ability uh, or uh, uh, content of the gospel are missing exactly an important crucial element of belief. But belief is more than just thinking correctly. Belief is to depend on something, to, to rest upon it, to orient yourself around it. That's a great idea here of the picture of that you may believe, that you may orient yourself, that you might lean in upon it, that you might depend upon it. To believe in something is not just to have the intellectual awareness of its truth. It's to have that truth shape and mold who you are, to believe something. And what John is targeting us here is he says that you may believe that your life might be shaped and oriented now around this aspect, around the gospel message that is communicated here in his gospel account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And so to believe in something is to orient yourself about it, is to lean upon it and to trust in it. I like the word trust so much more than just to believe in something because of the weight that that carries, the confidence that that carries in there. But I want you to notice something, that John doesn't have a period at the end of this sentence. This sentence does not read, these are written so that you may believe, full stop. We have a horribly distorted picture going on in our society today, and it might be something that has been prevalent always, that the important thing for us is to have faith. It doesn't matter what we have faith in, the important thing is to believe, and you can hear this in different aspects of our society that stress, hey, it's not important what you believe, just that you hold on to it sincerely. So the idea is not that we believe something is true one way or the other, but no matter what we believe, that we believe it with sincerity and with passion, that we orient our life around something. If it's the Christian faith, that's great. If it's secular faith, that's wonderful. If it's a different religion, if it's no religion at all, whatever it is, just so long as you hold passionately to it. That's the important thing, not the content. My brother is about two years younger than I am. And so when I was, I think I must have been about five years old, I took it upon myself to convince him that I could fly. Uh, so this was a big process that took place over a couple of different days where I kept assuring him over and over again, no, Ted, I can really fly. And that's, yeah, that's one of the abilities that you have as the older brother. And I kept reiterating this idea that I could fly. And I talked about it so often that after a while, I began to believe it myself. I actually thought that I could fly. And consequently, the five-year-old boy is on the roof at one point, ready to jump off and demonstrate to my brother that I could fly. I sincerely believed it. But that was foolish and naive of me to believe something that has no content, that has no truth behind it. The idea that all we do is have to believe and believe passionately about something and that's the thing that matters. Well, it mattered tremendously to the Jews that Hitler so passionately believed his philosophy of life. 
It mattered tremendously to the Russian people that the Soviet Union believed so passionately in its articulations. It mattered tremendously the content that the, the, that was prevalent throughout China and Vietnam and Cambodia and the United States and around the world as those beliefs carry important contact and effects into our lives. John doesn't stop when he says that the goal of this book is to convince you to believe so that you may have faith. His intent here is not that you would be a person of faith. It is that you would be a person of faith in something. And so he continues on, not just to say the intent is for you to believe, but so the intent is that you would believe a certain thing. Now what is it that you are to believe? At the end of verse 31, middle and towards the end of verse 31, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. So we're going to look at this in three different formats here. What, what is it that John wants us to believe? John wants us to believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. First, that Jesus is the Christ. Now, for a long time, I, like I'm sure a lot of other people, thought that the word Christ was primarily used just to designate something specific about Jesus. That this is the Jesus we're talking about. That Jesus the one that's the Christ. Or uh, that this is the Jesus, the one who, who is called the Christ. Or something like that. That it's sort of like, you know, uh, Henry from Conneaut Lake or, or uh, Henry now, the last name, something along those lines. For a long time, I didn't understand that Christ, which is a transliter, uh, which is a, a, a Greek way of phrasing the Hebrew idea of the Messiah. It's the same concept of the Messiah, and it references not Jesus's job, not sorry, not Jesus as a person so much as Jesus's job. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. And by the Messiah or the Christ, what we mean is that we're focusing in upon the work of Jesus Christ. This is the work, this is what he accomplished. So the goal here is for John is that after reading his gospel, the intent by which he wrote the gospel, that you would have a greater and greater dependence, reliability, that orienting your life around the image that we talked about earlier, that you would orient your life around the Christ type or the Christ-like work that Jesus did. What is that Christ-like work? What is that Christ type of work that he did? This is the focus upon the gospel message itself. That Jesus Christ came to redeem the lost. That we are lost in our sin and through Christ's death and his resurrection, his incarnation, his life, his death, his resurrection, all of which John speaks of, that by reading of that and by understanding that, that we come to have trust, dependence, reliance upon that very thing. The teachings of Jesus are beautiful. 
The work of Jesus is miraculous and wonderful. Jesus' life is beautiful to watch and to see. And everything about Jesus is inspiring and engaging and encouraging. But if we read the Gospel of John and we fail to grab a hold of that central core Gospel message that Jesus Christ died for sinners, that you are a sinner, and that Christ died for you so that he would take the penalty of your sin so that you might live this free and open life that he has in store for you, then you have failed the core message. You have failed to grasp the core message, the purpose that John has in store here. We have seen this over and over again through the centuries. Good, moral, intelligent men and women who get captured by one aspect or another aspect of Jesus' life or Jesus' teachings or his parables or his healings and, all, and that rivets their soul and that grabs a hold of them and they get so caught up in that that they miss that central intent of the gospel itself which is to orient us to the saving, redemptive work of Jesus Christ. John wrote this book, yes, so that we would be inspired and we would be taught and we would be engaged, all of those kind of things. John wrote this book so that you would know of yourself in desperate need of Jesus Christ and that He is your Lord and He is your Savior. But more than that, John goes on to say that he has written these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now here what we're talking about is not just Jesus' work, but the purpose, or the, but, but the person of Jesus. Who was he? Now this, who is he? This is something that captures John's interest from the very beginning. At the very beginning of his gospel, he is writing about the word that became flesh, the word that dwelt with God and was God, and now has become flesh for us. This image of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the centurion, surely this man was the Son of God. The, uh, Thomas calling out and saying, My Lord and my God, the deity of Jesus is central to John's message. The purpose of John here is not just that you would be captured and believe desperately in, his, uh, in, in the work of Jesus, but also that you would believe desperately, that you would orient your life, that everything about you would be leaning and resting upon the deity of Jesus Christ, that He is God. It's very interesting. If you hear somebody talk about their daughter that during the coronavirus here that we're going through, oh, if somebody says to you, oh, I know this one girl who has been locked up for the past seven days. She's been in quarantine because of the virus. And to most of us, that just is kind of like, okay, that's a nod. We understand that. But as soon as I tell you that girl is my daughter, as soon as you know that it's personal for me, then suddenly everything about you orients differently. We can talk about the work of Jesus. My daughter is fine, by the way. Uh, she has been released from quarantine at this point. Um, everything about the work of Jesus Christ is engaging and interesting, and that's great. But then as soon as we put a personal face on Jesus Christ, 
He is the Son of God. He is God Himself, God incarnate for us, that changes and shifts the way in which we understand the work. No longer is the work of Christ just some disconnected idea in history that we're supposed to orient our life around. Instead, this is God Himself who has come and who has acted on our behalf. And so now we put our trust and our reliance these are the things are written for us so that we would depend upon Jesus Christ, the work that he has done, and who he is, the Son of God. The work of Christ and the purpose of Christ, and, and the, the person of Christ. That's the purpose, the first two purposes that John identifies why he wrote this book. He holds forth one more, though, that we need to look at. These things are written so that you may believe the work, that Jesus is the Christ, the person, that he is the Son of God, and then finally, this is the purpose, the third purpose by which John writes here, that by believing in Jesus, you may have life in his name. That you may have life in his name. The, the purpose of John... John's goal here is not to communicate ideas. John's goal here is not simply to have something of you for you to orient yourself around, or you to depend on, or for you to trust in times of difficulties. His goal is that you would have life and that you would have it abundantly. That you would have life in his name. Now the in his name here, the kind of life that we are supposed to have, that the goal that John has here is not that you will have long life, not that you will have a successful life, not that you will have a, a, a blessed life, but that you will have a life that is in his name. The, we use name differently. It means something different to us now. But back in the biblical era, to have a name, to put a name on something, is to define its character. It's to express its character. And here, what... What John is saying is that by reading this work and by intending this work for us, that the purpose of this work for you would be that you would have life, that everything about your life, that abundant life of Jesus Christ, would be found in his name. That the character of Jesus, the, 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 the work of Jesus, the complete totality of Jesus would be such that would be so surrounding your life that the belief and your orientation and the reliance and the dependence of every aspect of your life here while you're going through difficulties and in times of great joy, that all of that would be so oriented so that you would be able to find yourself in his name. And having found yourself in his name, in the character, in the trait of Jesus Christ, that is where you experience true life. We understand life to simply mean that our hearts are beating, or that there's some conscious presence here, or that we are moving through the stages of existence. That's not life in the scriptures. In the scriptures, you were created. You have been redeemed by our Lord. You have been bound to Him so that you might have an abundant life in His name. 
so that in every experience you have, the difficulties of the lockdown in which we're all going through, the joys that we all anticipate when this is lifted, the sorrow that comes from people who are suffering so dramatically, the, the terror that has to grab a hold of people who are in the midst of this virus, the, the necessity that we all have for the things of life, all of that is oriented and comes into its fullness when we find ourselves in the abundant life in Christ's name. You are never more who you are created to be and who you have been redeemed to be then you are fully living your life in the character of Jesus Christ. What does that mean on a practical level? It means simply this. The purpose of this book, the more you spend time in this book, the more you put aside other things, other good purposes, other good lessons in this book, which are wonderful, but the intent of John the author is that you would believe, that your life would be focused, that you would depend and trust, give yourself over to the realities of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, that you would read this text over and over again and come to a fuller and deeper understanding intellectually and a fuller and deeper character-shaping understanding of the death of Jesus Christ, that your hearts and our passions and our desires would be shaped by the work of Christ in redeeming us, and that we would be enraptured by the idea that we have a better grasp and a better devotion and a better worship to Jesus, the Son of God. And that finally, that your life would be seen as being in His name, wrapped up in the person, the character, and the work of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much for the scriptures that you have given to us and for the purpose of the scriptures. Lord, I thank you for all the benefits and all the blessings that are found therein. But Lord, I know that for me and for so many others that we can get caught up in a bunch of good things and miss what is best. What is best for us here, Lord, is to hear clearly John's purpose that we might believe and that our belief would be in the work of Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we would have life in his name. Lord, make that so for each one of us, we pray. Amen.